let's start the insanity. Mm, giddy up. New York Bozo! New York Well, that was an interesting game. Welcome to the APC Podcast Rapid Recap Edition. Um, I am your substitute host, Tex Western, filling in for Zach Rapport tonight, um, who was otherwise indisposed, and uh, talking about the Packers' frustrating, disappointing, stupid loss, 34-31 to the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium in overtime, and uh, joined tonight by my good friend, Matt but you can call him a tub, Matt. How are you holding up? I'm actually, I'm doing okay. Um, I've, I bet the line on this game. So, uh, which was Colts minus two, I believe. Colts minus two. I also bet the over. So. <laughs> there you go. <sighs> yeah, I, I, I had picked the Colts this week too, and it was one of those games where I just weird, stupid things happen at Lucas Oil. And that certainly was the case tonight. Uh, four turnovers for the Packers, yeah, including a, a, an absolute backbreaker from Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who, to his credit, set up the tying field goal at the end of regulation with his 47-yard bomb uh, down to midfield, and then promptly gives the ball away with a really careless, sloppy fumble yeah. on the first drive of overtime. Even, I think it was Aikman called him out. He's like, he didn't really get a lot of the ball there. <laughs> yeah, there. it almost looked to me at first like like Robert Tunyon, who was out blocking for, for MVS, might have even gotten a piece of it. Um, I, I think they credited it to, to Julian Blackman, the Colts' safety. But yeah, yeah just weird ball security stuff. Um, another strange interception from, from Aaron Rodgers. Three fumbles. Um, and just, you know, craziness all around that kind of seems to be what happens to Wisconsin teams when they play at Lucas Oil Stadium. And, uh, is frankly, that, I'm sick of it. Is that reference that I'm not getting? There's, there have been multiple issues with, with the Badgers in Lucas Oil in, and Big Ten Championship games, as well as the, uh, the basketball team, which played Duke in the National Championship game in 2015 at Lucas Oil. Ah. So, yeah, there's... And then the 2012 game too, um, Packers Colts game, which was a, a weird one where Mason Crosby missed a couple of strange field goals there. So <laughs> yeah, someone in the uh, uh, in the APC Discord uh, mentioned, oh yeah, Crosby's money inside Lucas Oil. <laughs> yeah, it it's it's a rough one, but uh, honestly, early on in the first half, things looked like they were even despite the turnovers going pretty well. Packers went into halftime up 28 14. Um, you know, they, they were getting some of the deep balls going early. I think the, that was something that, um, our good buddy, Paul Noonan had discussed on the blog this week on Acme packing company, that that was one area where the, the Colts defense was susceptible was to the deep ball. Yeah, there was and first play. First, first play, play was Devonte on a nine. Or on a fade, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, they, they got some explosive plays there. But then, you know, the second half, just the offense bogged down. What the hell happened out there? I, dude, I, I don't even know. Like, honestly, the second half was so long that I was struggling to follow. Like, yeah. was, the, game, the game went on for three and a half hours. Like, I, I, just, yeah. I, I don't have that kind of attention span. <laughs> I, I was also, well, and- I was busy tweeting about J.K. Scott. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be probably alone in my island this week defending J.K. Scott and thinking that Rogers played a trash game. 
So uh, the the second half was was just a mess. I mean, at one point, I think the the Colts had the Packers outsnapped in the second half, like thirty five to six, thirty five to six. Ridiculous. I, I think like it, that. I think the Packers only had six plays in the third quarter. Yeah, they had the two three and outs, and then the fumble on the kick return by Darius Shepard. Yeah. So yeah, that that checks out. Um, just just again, weird, bizarre game. Um, second half offense just kind of fell apart. The 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 short yardage play calling yet again, kind of coming coming through with some weird play calls. There's a couple of fourth and ones, um, the 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 one in the fourth quarter. I think I don't know how uh, you you choose to uh, throw to your slowest running back in the flat on fourth and inches. Well, and even if you know. Th- he had Williams a little bit, right? I mean, if he drops that ball in a little bit tighter, yep. um, he's got him. If if he makes a good, if Rogers makes a good throw, but he lofts it a little too much, puts too much air under it, and and just leads him way too far, and and he had no chance. Yep. So. And Rogers also had the uh, issues with the um, MVS throwing him short on the, mm-hmm. the cover two beater. Uh, he he just he he was doing his 2015 Rogers happy feet you know, shenanigans, not stepping into throws just was kind of inaccurate. And then of course he has the random magical miracle balls where he drops it on a dime in the words of Brett Favre. He lands it like a butterfly with sore feet from 50 yards out. (laughs) (laughs) But then well, and and that, that was a tremendous throw and a tremendous catch, but yeah, I mean, it just wasn't there throughout uh, on, on a consistent basis. Yeah. So Rogers had a great game highlight wise, but he didn't do the little things well. And and that's mm-hmm. what kind of bit him. But uh, yeah. I got I got to talk about J.K. Scott because this is this is going to be my brand yeah. from now on. Um, <laughs> everyone is really trashing on J.K. Scott, saying that he's shanking punts. I don't think any of his punts today were shanks. Every single one of them went where he wanted mm-hmm. it to. They just didn't go very far. And yeah, a year a year almost to the day. A year ago, almost to the day. It was a year ago next week. Um, J.K. Scott admitted that Sean Menenga had him change his kicking mechanics, and that's why he was shanking balls at the beginning of the season last year. Um, and he went back to what he normally does, and everything was fine. I, I would I would bet quite a lot of money that this game was Menenga's response to J.K. outkicking his coverage last week mm-hmm. and saying... I, yeah, the punt return against Jacksonville, yes. right? Yes, and so saying, I don't want you to kick it too far. Kick it high, kick it short. And because there were multiple punts where he was punting nose down, which I learned from Pat McAfee is if if you're punting nose down, your plan is to kick it as high as humanly possible. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So maximize the hang time, and 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 the Colts do have a, a pretty talented punt returner in Naheem Hines, so sure. you can understand if that's the you know part of the thought process. Yeah, but uh, I also want to remind everyone that Sean Menenga was the assistant special teams coordinator under Mike Pettin as the head coach of the Browns. So they know each other. And so they can probably (laughs) help each other find new jobs after they're both fired this week. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good segue to the defense, which um, certainly they they got put in some some ugly spots in the second half with, again, those two three and outs and the the fumble. But that there's going to be a lot of a lot of takes flying around about Petten yet again after this game. I mean, Um, and rightfully so. It's not like, like, oh, yeah. No, I, I don't mean to say that in 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 the, to suggest that they are unfounded. Let me just be clear on that. Um, I, I think that that 
the complaints about him and his defense and and his scheme are entirely valid. Um, I think the perhaps the biggest um, offense offensive play in my mind was that third and twenty during the whole <laughs> penalty fest late in the game when you know he has his DBs play twenty yards off basically at the first down marker and they, you know, the Colts pick up 15, 16 yards on a screen pass to, I think to Jonathan Taylor before the play, I turned to my wife. I said, they're going to throw a screen pass here and they're going to flirt with the first down. And that is yeah. exactly what happened. They were three yards. They got 17 yards on third and 20. And she's like, yeah. how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you've watched Mike Cutton defenses for almost three years now. Yep. I knew exactly what was, I was like, I was like, he's going to, he's going to run into a wall of players like a yard short of the first down. And sure enough, he gets met by four DBs, you know, three or four yards short. I think Jair is going to get a lot of crap for the fourth down, but I mean, Oh, I, I don't, I don't blame him at all. No. I mean, that was a, that was a nice rub route on the, on that side of the field. Um, I mean, that's exactly what, you know, that, that is the offense scheming a guy open and I I'm, I'm with you there. I don't think he necessarily is at fault there. Yeah. So I think that's just a good a good play design from from Frank Reich. And I, I honestly think if if there weren't so many Herculean effort, uh, individual efforts on the defense, it, this game would have gotten even more out of hand. I mean, Gary mm-hmm. was very good in the first half. Jair was great the whole game. Like, like if uh, Raven Green, if you don't have those individual guys playing out of their minds, then this game would have gotten ugly, as opposed to weird. Yeah. There, there were a lot of really impressive individual plays there. I mean, I also was noticing that it seemed like, as as has been the case a lot this year, the pressure from the pass rush was was getting there, but it just was never able to get home. Mm-hmm. And against a guy like Philip Rivers, um, you have to get to him because you know just just getting hurries on him and and moving him off his spot a little bit isn't going to be enough to to rattle him sure. or to make him throw throw a bad ball here and there. So you've got to get home and, and get some hits on him and, and bring him to the ground. Otherwise, he's going to find you know the the soft spots in the zone and and that's what he did at, at a couple times, especially on third downs in this game. And shout outs to Rivers for getting a, oh my god, Kenny Clark hit him so hard. Mm. I'm pretty sure all 18 of his kids felt it. <laughs> and the fact that he got up and continued to play after that and play very well. And yep. it's, I don't know, Rivers is just, I think, okay, I, I've, I've long said this. I think Rivers is the best quarterback out of his draft class and he's the least likely to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because that was the Eli, the Big Ben. Um, was there another one in there? I mean, those were the those three. Are the three. Guys, those right? are the three that everyone remembers. Yeah. And, and yeah, and yeah. the other ones have rings and Rivers doesn't. Um, yep. honestly, if I think if, if, uh, the giants don't trade rivers for, uh, for Eli, then they probably win three super bowls, but that's just me. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. But I mean, again, on the defense there, there were still, there were still plays left out there to be made. Oh, right? sure. There was the one, the, the tipped ball that kind of lands in no man's land again. Um, how many times can, can this defense see a ball fly about 15 feet up in the air and it just flutter harmlessly to the turf. I don't know if nobody gets if someone on, on the defense could track a fluttering ball, we'd probably have better <laughs> punt returns. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was painful. Um, yeah. I mean, there was just, just so many missed opportunities, I think. Um, and, and again, I mean, the Colts tried to, you know, they did everything in their power late in that game in that fourth quarter um, on offense to give, 
the Packers a chance to to get back in the game with a late drive. Yeah, because I think there was there was what it was it like nine straight plays. It seemed like where there was a penalty called or like seven dude, out of nine plays. Dude, I, I have like no that. idea. I, I was I was busy I, making jokes about uh, Joe Buck top of the forty seventh. <laughs> like it's third and forty seven. Another flag. <laughs> But I mean, they they were legitimate flags too. I yes. mean, every one of those holding calls that they were calling on Indy was was a legitimate penalty. I joked that, uh, you know, it was it was like the the strategy of the old Seahawks defense where they would just clutch and grab and and dare the refs to call it. Only in this case, the refs were calling everything. Yep. So well, I think um, I think part of it is uh, the players really got into the refs' ears this game. I felt like mm-hmm. uh, you would see something get complained about, and then you would see it get called a whole bunch. Uh, like Zadarius very often lines up right on the line of of what you would call offsides and the refs were calling it like and it's the first time all season i've seen people consistently seeing z or at least watching him for it and someone must have been complaining about it just like i bet you that someone was complaining about uh quentin nelson holding like and so they were watching for it yep yeah no it makes sense so it just again frustrating finish to the game um i think i read somewhere too that the packers hadn't won a coin toss before overtime since like week four so wow. shout out to tim boyle for going out and actually winning the coin toss in overtime tails yeah, never fails didn't he good but uh yeah so we had let's see rogers finished the day 27 of 38 for 311 three scores and a, and a pick um, Adams with seven catches for 106 and a touchdown. Adams was, was big on that last drive too. Yes. Um, and he was quiet. A couple second of nice half catches. Up until then. Yeah. Yep. So that was, that was a good, uh, a good day. I mean, big Bob with another touchdown early on in the game. He had a couple of nice catches. Apparently he was, so, I mean, there's, he was open on the last drive. People were screaming about mm-hmm. it. I did not see it. I think, yeah, it was, it was the third down play, um, the second to last play before the, the, the field goal to tie the game at the, at the end of regulation. And, um, you know, Rogers had kind of locked in on Adams on that, that one side and didn't see, looked like he didn't see Tanya on the far side of the field. So that's, you know, that's, that's disappointing. I mean, but you know, Adams is his guy obviously. And, and he was clearly locked in on that one so i apologize if i have background noise uh my daughter seems to have found her bubble car that pops <laughs> when, when she rides on it so that's going on behind me yeah well if we all could have the uh the innocence of a of a small <laughs> child playing with her bubble car <laughs> instead of having to uh to deal with frustrating games like this hey. but fundamentally i mean the colts are a good team they are a very good team yeah in, absolutely like in, in these- the seven and two packers just lost a game to the was it seven and three colts seven and three now yeah, yeah. they were six and three coming yeah in, so, so like also the packers were the road dogs this like the the result is everything i expected but the path to get to the result was completely unexpected yeah, I think that's that's the best way to sum up this uh, this colossal cluster of a game. So remember, I I so um in our game thread, literally I don't know like after after the first bout of randomness, I said uh, like good thing we're getting the the meltdown out early so I won't have hope at the end, and then <laughs> and then like the Packers came back and and we're way ahead and everything was hunky dory and then it wasn't so yeah like I. I, I should have gone with my gut. I just, I was way too invested in this game when I knew a week ago I shouldn't be invested in it. 
Yeah, I, I swear that, you know, Northwestern Stadium and Lucas Oil Stadium must have been built on Indian burial grounds or something because weird things always seem to happen there. So, well, next week, uh, Packers welcome in the Bears for Sunday night football following Thanksgiving. So, um, we will hopefully have Zach and company back this week to preview that and then uh, following the game Sunday night next weekend. Um, any closing thoughts from you, Matt, uh, on uh, <laughs> this this weirdness that we observed this afternoon? Um, hashtag JK did nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> let's get that trending. But no, uh, the only thing is, is we did not go over our post-game drinks. What are you drinking today, Mr. Western? Oh, yeah. Um, I am finishing off with a uh, land grant which is a local Columbus, Ohio brewery. Um, it is their Sweater Vibes, which is a fall apple cinnamon English ale. Oh, that sounds just very, just lovely. It is very, very tasty. So as is tradition, I drink whiskey after a win, and I don't after a loss. During our podcast, I just finished a Barry LaCroix. It was very refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Good stuff. All right. Well, keep it here. Uh, join us at acmepackingcompany.com, at the APC pod on Twitter. I'm at Tex Western, and he is at Call Me Matub. Um, filling in for Zach Rappart. This is Tex signing off. And uh, yeah, go back, go. Back.